Thank you. Well, good evening, everybody. Did we just time out there for a second, or did I push pause? Time delay. Time delay. There we go. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. I love Family Sunday. Saturday, Saturday. It's a good save. No one noticed. Uh, when I was a kid in the 80s, there was, there was one band called the, the Bangles. And not, not the Bangles, like the Tiger, but Bangles. I understand that's kind of like bracelets. Is that right? Bracelets, Bangles. Anyway, Bangles, they were pretty popular in the, in the 80s. It was an all-girl band. They had a, uh, one of their hits was Manic Monday, where they lamented that it wasn't Sunday, because it turns out that was her fun day, by the way. But they had another song, and it was called Walk Like an Egyptian. Do you guys, you guys remember? How, how do you walk like an Egyptian? Can you, can you show me? How do you do it? Well, how do you walk like an Egyptian? I don't want to do it. Do it. Come on. So, someone's got to demo. Do what? Oh, there we go. Sarah's in the back. She's walking like an Egyptian. There we, it, was, it was a very popular song, and it was really fun. I remember I had, my teacher in grade one did it, and I thought she was just the coolest thing ever because I, I was singing the song, and all of a sudden she starts doing this at me, and I was like, what are you doing, right? Like, that's so cool. <laughs> but anyway, so the idea is, like, if you're an Egyptian, then you, you walk a certain way. You behave a certain way. You may have heard it put this way. When in Rome, do as? The Romans do, right? You're supposed to do as the Romans do. And this is the idea that if you're a citizen of Egypt or if you're a citizen of Rome, you do stuff like Egyptians or Romans do. Someone might say that there's things in Canada that we do that we're known for. What are some of the things that we're known for in Canada? Hockey, saying sorry, Tim Hortons. These are, these are some of the Canadian things that we're known for, right? Being kind, all of those things. Now, some of these are stereotypical, of course, and not everybody does them, but in Canada, we're known, I think, worldwide as being kind people, right? Non-confrontational and stuff like that. So much so that if someone, if you're engaged with somebody and they're being kind of confrontational, they might even get accused of being what? American, American exactly. Someone say, oh, are you from the, oh, you must have married into Canadian family or something like that. You must be from down south. But if someone isn't acting a certain way, they get accused of being something else. Now, this morning, I want to, oh, man, I, I, this is, I blame James. This afternoon, I had rid myself, exorcised those demons for me. It was always afternoon and evening, but for some reason, today, it's different. But this evening, I want to read something for you. And this is in the book of Philippians, and we're, we're continuing our series uh, called Joy. And so we're in the book of Philippians. And as I read uh, towards the end of the first chapter, I'm going to read verses 27 to 30. I want you to listen or to read along and see if you can spot something in that reading that goes along with what I've been talking about. Okay, so I'm going to read verses 27 to 30. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. 
For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Did you catch it? Maybe, maybe let, me, let me start again, except I'm going to read from a different translation this time of the text and see if we can see a little bit more clearly. Verse 27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. See at that time? Citizens of heaven. If you're going to catch anything from what I'm talking about tonight, this is what I want us to walk away from. is this idea of living as though we're citizens of heaven. For a follower of Jesus, that's our MO, as it were. So Paul starts off this part of the letter by using the word only, or he'll say above all. And this is a little bit like saying, I need you to catch this one thing. Just, just this one thing. You guys remember, anybody remember Columbo? It's kind of a bl another blast from the past, the 80s, a little bumbling detective, and he would sort of w bumble his way through the, the TV show, and he would always, towards the end, say, just when you thought he was thwarted, he would stop and go, excuse me just a minute. He's got this raspy voice, this little trench coat and hat, cigar. Excuse me just a minute. Let me just, let me just say one thing. Just one more, just one more thing, right? And you know, if you watch the show, that one more thing that he's talking about is the most important part of the show. You need to listen because right then he is going to reveal in this amazing Columbo-esque way who the culprit is, right? He's going to solve the crime. This is the, the key thing. If you're going to catch anything, that's it. So here is Paul saying the same thing. He's saying we need to act like citizens of heaven. Right? Act like citizens of heaven. This is what living in a manner worthy of the gospel looks like. It's our citizenship in heaven if we're a follower of Jesus. Paul is being very, very careful with his wording here. He wants to be very, very clear. He's saying that followers of Jesus should live their lives like they're living in a city where Jesus is king or mayor or president or, or however you want to call it. But he is Lord. Live like your citizens under Jesus, Paul says. Paul says, you have been given grace, so show grace. Paul says, you've been shown mercy, so show mercy. Paul says, you've been loved by God, so now love other people like they, you have been loved. But sometimes I think we look at it, we ask the question, we're supposed to love other people like what? I think the Western rule, if we want to talk about the Western rule, we want to love people like they've loved us, right? You're good to me, I'll be good to you. You're bad to me, I'll be bad to you. Then, then Jesus, he's got a couple of rules about this, right? He's got the golden rule. The rule, golden rule says what? Love other people or do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? So that's the golden rule. And I, I like this in, in John 13. Jesus actually kicks it up one more notch. We could call this the, the platinum rule, where he says in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How? 
just as I have loved you, just as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is the the citizen in action. Not only is it Jesus' command to love people as he has loved them, but it's also a sign for other people to see just whose citizenship you hold if you're loving other people in that way. People should be able to tell by a Christian's behavior. A follower of Jesus should use certain language, should be able to emit certain things. Our lives, in other words, should match the gospel that we were freed in. So kids, we have a game that we're going to play. So I got Katie as my volunteer. She's going to come up and I'm going to wander around and hope my mic doesn't cut out. Now what Katie's going to do is she is going to draw a picture for us and she's going to need some help. So we have assistants coming up as well. So anybody else wants to come up and assist Katie doing this, come on up. Now what Katie's going to do, she's, this, this is the trick, is she's going to have to actually do this drawing blindfolded and her helpers are going to be given a picture and they have to describe to her without touching her or touching the pen, touching the board, touching anything else. They're going to have to help her draw this picture just by using words. So how are you helping her? Uh, we're going to be telling her what to draw. Exactly. Let's just draw a box, a triangle or something. Exactly. Like Katie, you, you want to shake my hand? Yeah. Come on around. Okay, so feel in front of you. Okay, so you got a whiteboard. You can use both hands. Feel, you got a whiteboard. Here's your pen. <laughs> Whoa. There's your pen. Feel free to use it any way you want. Do you have the picture? Oh, yeah. Right here. All right, so you guys have one minute. Go. Okay. Um, uh, a square. Make a square. Um, make a, a big, a smaller Remember, can't touch her. Keep, keep going. Keep trying. Twenty seconds. I'm okay with that. It'll, it won't make it that much harder. <laughs> Five seconds. Three, two, one. Uh. All right, let's see. Let's show her how she did. Hey. Katie, you did a fantastic job. High fives to all the helpers. High fives all the way around. Nice work, nice work. Oh, you got to give me a five. Okay, there we go. Can you give me two? Your sister's not giving me the other one. There we go. You gave me one for Vienna. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Thanks. So we can see how tough it is when we're trying to accomplish something with, without our eyes being wide open, as it were. 
if you see what I'm getting at. See, we can miss the mark, even with people trying to guide us in what we're doing, if we're not paying close attention, if we're not being intentional with what we're doing, if we're not seeing clearly, as it were, not with our eyes, but with our hearts and our minds, following Jesus, it's really, really easy to miss the mark. And remember, even though Jesus wants us to act like this, this isn't just some sort of moralistic code of, of conduct, being obedient and wanting to, to follow after him. It'd be like saying to a, a person that you have a significant relationship with, a good friend or a spouse or something like that. They ask you to do something or there's some expectation that you should treat them with kindness a certain way and saying, no, no, no. Don't, don't you try to push your sort of moralistic code of conduct on me. I can treat you however I want. That's nonsense, right? To, to think about how we're supposed to treat one another and treat other people in worship and taking the grace that's been given to us by our Lord Jesus is something that should just flow naturally from us. This means that we do our best to act right, also knowing that God's grace is there for us to pick us up even when we fail. So Paul tells his readers who are struggling, remember, with a bit of disunity, Paul's writing to a church that is feeling attacks from the inside and out, this disunity. He's asking them to live their life in a manny, manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. It is that that will hold them together. That will be their glue. And then what? So that whether I, Paul, come to see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. See, it's important to remember that this doesn't just mean that we just think the same all the time, that we have just one mind and we're sort of automaton robots and, and all this stuff, right? Like, we need to agree on certain things, the truth of the gospel and the need to defend and proclaim it, to live by that. Those sorts of things we need to be of one mind of. But God has given each and every one of us beautiful gifts, skills, different ways that we can do remarkable things in life. We can proclaim the gospel in new, different ways and not just have to go through the motions until the end. It's not what this life is all about, just going through the motions. It's about intentionality, living for a deeper, meaner, a deeper meaning and purpose. It means that we're supposed to, if we're a follower of Jesus, to act like the gospel is true all the time. Not just on Saturday evenings or Sunday mornings or when someone comes to visit. We're all here with a purpose if we are a follower of Jesus. But sometimes, as citizens of heaven who are, as Paul says, ambassadors for Jesus, one can feel a little out of place in the world around us. Could start to feel alone or isolated or weird. Uh, the, the Bible recounts... Uh, I'm going to talk about the, the book of Jeremiah, but about a, of a time many, many years ago, about 2,600 years ago, where Israel, the nation of Israel, was put in the timeout chair uh, for 70 years. They were exiled into Babylon. God put them there for disobedience. And during that time, they were, they were taken out militarily, right? They were attacked and then pulled out and essentially, in some ways, enslaved by a different group of people. And God through Jeremiah, tells them not to just tolerate their captors, not to just tolerate and, and you know, white-knuckle the, the lifestyle of living in Babylonia, but instead, God tells them that while they're there, they're supposed to actually engage with the people there. They're supposed to seek the city that they're in's good. They're supposed to love the people that were there. 
Pastor Tim Keller, he comments on that, and he says, this must have come as an enormous shock to them called to do something like that. Some of the leaders of Babylon had hands stained with the blood of their relatives. Yet God had the audacity to tell them to become deeply involved with the city, seeking its peace and prosperity, all the while not compromising on their beliefs or faithfulness to him at all. Either withdrawal or just buying in fully, assimilation is easier. Seeking the common good yet without any compromise of faith and practice is much more difficult. Yet that is God's call to his people. See, Paul is telling his beloved church in Philippi that they have the same privilege. They're to consistently, whether he is there or not, seek the good of the community by living according to the gospel. And friends, if you're here tonight and you are a follower of Jesus, that is the exact same privilege that we have. That is the exact same privilege that we have. But it's hard. It's hard to treat people fairly sometimes. For whatever reason, we can get caught up with behaviors of, of inequality. Have you ever gone to, anybody ever been to a restaurant and been served by somebody you know? Somebody you like? Friend? Loved one? Have you ever noticed that it doesn't matter at all what that person does? They could set your table, they could set you on fire. And you'll still tip them good, right? You'll just, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, here's this, here's this little extra tip and, and all this stuff, right? It's, everything is all good. Why? Because we, we want to encourage them, right? We want to we show them grace. We want to show them love. But what if the same sort of things happen and the server we don't know? Did you notice how long she made us wait before she came and took our order? 1% off, Right? Did you notice how long it took him to bring me that glass of water I asked for? 1% off. Excuse me, I ordered this without any cilantro. 2% off. Right? I think God hates cilantro, by the way. So that's why it's, 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 the, it's the extra a little bit. It just seems true to me. But no, friends, God, he cares about people created in his image. He cares about how they're treated. I actually, I, I heard a, a question asked the other day and it, it challenged me. Who don't you want to sit next to you on an airplane? Have, have you ever been, like anybody who's been on an airplane before has probably played this game, right? You, you're, you're sitting there, if you have an empty seat beside you, you start watching the people coming down the aisle, right? And then with that, whether you want to do it or not, there's, there's, there's a thumbs up or there's a thumbs down. Isn't there, right? Like, oh, they got a screaming baby. Oh, I just I want to rest, right? Like, oh, man, that guy looks really talkative. I, I don't know if I want to sit next to him. That's me, by the way. I'm the, who am I going to talk to, right? <laughs> Everyone's like, no, no, no. <laughs> man, has, has that woman been drinking? I don't know, man, that just could be disruptive on the plane. I don't want, I don't want that. We start playing these games, but living as citizens of heaven means loving all the people, just as God has loved us, accepting the people. Doesn't mean we have to accept what they think. Just have to accept them, right? This past weekend, we had just an amazing opportunity. It was unfortunate it fell on the long weekend. The woman who organized it was like, 
I can't believe I forgot that it was the long weekend when I organized this. But at any rate, it was, it was great. It was kids day. It was Jeroche New News Market and Sarah and I were there and, and the Garniers. And it was actually pretty cool that the, the Garniers showed up because as you could see, Charlotte here has got some new hardware on her arm. She received that about 12 hours, or no, she received it way further, but they were in the hospital so long, they ended up leaving about 12 hours before the event started. But they, uh, they still came and had some, we had a ton of fun, didn't we? Doing some fishing and some games, doing stuff with shirts and all that. And it was such an awesome time because while we were there, people got to catch a very big glimpse of who loves us, Right? and who we serve. They got to really see that. We, uh, we got to work pretty hard. Well, Sarah and Becky worked really hard, and the girls. Uh, Julian spent most of his time hurting children, right? And I was, every time, as Sarah and Becky, Sarah pointed out, they said every time they saw me, I was just kind of wandering around, talking to people. Pastor, I guess, right? That's, uh, that's what I was doing. But nevertheless, the, the ladies worked really hard. Julian and I, we were the eye candy. And we got to uh, talk to some people and have some fun too. But it was, it was just a really good time getting to engage and, and to be with our community. There was one particularly beautiful scene, though, where there was a table set up that was uh, sort of religiously influenced and was not conducive or didn't jive too well with traditional Christian beliefs. Okay, I, I won't get too much into it, but it was wonderful in that I got to uh, witness Becky talking to her children. And this is why, if anybody ever wonders why it's so awesome to include kids in everything we do and why we want to have services like this, is because it is so important. Because you guys our, are our present. You're not our future. You're, you're the present of the church, and you have something awesome to offer. So Becky took her kids aside and, and pointed out to them that they shouldn't engage with the activities that were going on at this table. However, they were to be what to the lady behind it? Respectful. Charlotte. Pardon me? Polite. Polite. Exactly. Polite, respectful, kind. Show her love. And you did. Showed everybody love there. And it was incredible. See, we may not always agree with people. No matter if we're a Christian or not, everybody has beliefs that they think are right. And we're always going to find people that disagree with us. But if we are believers in Jesus, we're going to come across people who believe things different than us. But that doesn't mean that we don't like them, that we don't show them kindness and love. We can disagree while being incredibly kind and wonderful to other people and accepting of them. We always treat people with gentleness and respect. And this is part of what it means to have one mind as we live lives as citizens of heaven. And Paul goes even deeper and he says, they're not to be frightened in anything by the opponents. Well, why would they be frightened? Well, perhaps they could be frightened because some of these things were coming in. Some of these ideas were starting to undermine some of the faith that they had. It was starting to undermine their trust. You have a question? One of the things that was like the most frightening was that like the magician writer kind of like that. <laughs> the great Norbert. <laughs> I watched him. He was funny. And a little creepy. But yeah. <laughs> But they may have been experiencing, their trust may have been undermined or have been being undermined 
because of some of these things that were going on. There's lots of ideas. I mean, they were engaged in a community that was told that they're supposed to be worshiping who? Caesar. They're supposed to be worshiping Caesar. So they could, as people have their faith challenged, it can cause us to do what? We can, we, can, we can become afraid. We can start to lash out. We can start to be unkind to people, disown people. But as Jesus says elsewhere, we don't need to be afraid of anything, even something that can kill the body. A follower of Jesus does not have to be afraid of anything. In one of the, the Harry Potter movies, there's a, uh, a, this creature thing. It's called a boggart. Does anyone remember what a boggart does? Changes into your fears. That's exactly it. So what, what are some of the things you're most afraid of? Werewolves? werewolves? Earwigs. Oh, earwigs. I was like, <laughs> Were, werewolves don't exist. But okay, <laughs> Ear, earwigs do, and they are disturbing. What else? What else are you afraid of? Giant freaky vampire cats. I've never encountered one, but I can't imagine that that would be very nice. How about you? I'm not really afraid of them, but I'm more freaked out by spiders. Spiders. See, that was one of the ones in Ron was afraid of spiders in the, in the book and in the movies. And so the way that you're supposed to deal with this bog art is you're supposed to do this little spell. It's, and you say, ridiculous. And you picture something funny. And so Ron with the spider made roller skates go on this spider and all of a sudden it's supposed to you laugh at it and then everything is fine right that's how you deal with fear in the harry potter world i think i think i could probably do better than that we're we're, we're taught that perfect love casts out fear perfect love casts out fear it's so if you want if you get if you still want to do like a, a fun like spell you can you can do perfecto love perfecto love and fear you're not the boss of me anyone else want to say that with me perfecto love because you guys say it? perfecto love fear you're not the boss of me isn't that good? See, any follower of Jesus does not have to worry about that. If you follow Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of anything. And then Paul goes on and he says, this, so the people that were causing fear, these, these opponents, the fact that they are opposing them is a clear sign, he says, of their destruction. But it is a sign of their salvation. It's showing who is on, I'm going to get to this in a second, but who's on a road with them and who is opposing it. And the, the important part, here's the key to this whole thing, and it's that from God. That from God. Those are the, the words that we need to see here because he is the overarching sovereign of all this. You see, friends, we are all, whether we like it or not, and this isn't culturally um, appropriate to say, but we are all on one road. I, I believe this with, with all my mind and my heart, that we're all on one road. And this road, we're either going in one direction or another. It's a single road. And that road either leads to God or that road leads away from God. It may look different as we're traveling it. It may, uh, uh, we may appear we're on different points in the road, but nevertheless, that's the, the case. And so if you look towards the destination that has God on their side, it is beautiful, beautiful place, beautiful scene, 
that God has this destination for people that are following him. The other side, weirdly, can look beautiful as well. But it's, th- it's beauty that's created in our image, and so it's fleeting. It's like chasing the wind. It's not something that we're able to catch. The other one is based in God's goodness, his truth, and his beauty. And God has paved this road. And what is it paved with? It's, it's, paved, with, it's paved with blood. And I know it, it sounds weird to say, and I, I, it sounds almost gross that it's paved with blood. But when, when you think about the sacrifice that it took that produced that blood, it's amazing, the sacrifice that Jesus did to lay down his life just for us. If we understand the magnitude of that sacrifice, that is beautiful. Yes, we get the red carpet. I never thought of that before. That's good. Verse 29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, so this is the benefit. This is kind of an counterintuitive benefit. Been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Now, this promise that Paul's making, what he's talking about here, it's a promise that's made for the Philippi church. Contextually, he knows that what is going on with them is imminent danger from physical threat. For us, that may not be the case and likely isn't if you live in the most of the Western world. You see, as we mentioned before, they were expected to worship Caesar, not a dead Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. But they didn't. They did worship Jesus, and it was a sign of their salvation, but also it was a sign that they would likely suffer from their, or for their faith. See, we, we're expected to worship God ourselves or Or sorry, we're expected to worship ourselves or some form of materialism. Our culture has us trying to chase those sorts of things. Not an alive Jewish carpenter from Nazareth who also happens to be God. But I worship a God, and I believe we do, that we experience in nature, we experience him in our personal experience, and we experience him in the written words of these letters. This is why this community exists, Central Community Church in Lake Arock. This community exists because of that God, to worship that God and to show that. And because of that, those who choose to follow Jesus put things at risk. If we choose to follow Jesus, we put ourselves at risk. We can suffer because of it. But the cool thing about that suffering is it is, in fact, a means of God's grace. God will use any suffering that we go through in our lives to do a number of things. It can build up our own faith. It can help encourage other people. Anybody who's ever experienced anybody going through suffering but doing it with a smile is is both strange but simultaneously beautiful at the same time to be able to see someone go through suffering in a way that is beautiful. But most importantly, this, this glorifies God when we suffer well. It builds his kingdom. 
But we, we're, as modern men and women, we often try to avoid suffering at all costs. I, but I, I like a quote from the 21 Pilots. It says, uh, you don't get thick skin without getting hurt. You see, as we go through life and, and we compile things that go wrong with our lives, are, we, we toughen up a bit and it helps provide us opportunity to be able to help other people. It helps us to be able to get through this life with that thick skin to be able to take it, Paul says, in another place and help others who may be experiencing the same suffering that we've gone through. See, following Jesus is always going to have consequences, but that those consequences are a sign of our commitment to God and the mission that Jesus has laid out for us. It means that we're not giving up. So those consequences, it could cost us a friendship, could cost us a job. It could even cost us life. But Jesus, if you're here to say, here today, he would say that what good is it if you gain the whole wide world, but you forfeit what? Your soul. So what we go through life, in life, for the sake of following Jesus is never, ever, ever meaningless. Here's another gem by Tim Keller. He writes, as hard as it is to discern God's loving and wise purposes behind many of our trials and difficulties, it would be even more hopeless to imagine that he has no control over them or that our sufferings are random and meaningless. You see, Paul suffered for the gospel. He suffered so people just like him would come to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This is what we get to do when we act like citizens of heaven, when we're of one mind and putting out there on display the good news that is life in God, our community, it shines. We saw a little bit of that this past weekend at at Kids Day. So friends, Let's pray together for courage and passion and joy amidst whatever lies ahead. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you so much for today and and this just incredible reminder of what it means to live for you, that meaning and purpose are part of our citizenship if we have chosen to follow after you. So, Father, we are excited. We're excited for what you have in store for us. Help us be able to have the courage to face it and the passion to do it well. And through all of this, as Paul reminds his readers, these first century, first church readers, to do it with joy, as it is an amazing privilege. It's an honor to be able to serve you as Lord. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen.